Hello there. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Hello there and welcome to the Mandalorian Review Podcast, where today we are going to dive deep, 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 deep into Season 3 Episode 8, or as we sometimes call it, Chapter 24, entitled The Return, the season finale of Season 3 of The Mandalorian. And just heads up for you ever-present Sparker Rebellion listeners, this podcast is of course part of the Nerd Podcasts Network, which means that if you're listening to this on the Mandalorian Review Podcast feed, well... We won't be back on this feed until next season. But rest assured that Spark of Rebellion will resume business as normal next week with a roundup of all of the Star Wars news, including, of course, some Mandalorian gossip. So if you are enjoying this and you've not listened to Spark of Rebellion before, go ahead and search for Spark of Rebellion in your podcast app of choice or go to sparkrebellion.com slash listen. And for you, you beauties out there that do listen to Spark of Rebellion, enjoy this Mandalorian review inside your normal podcast feed. But we'll see there next week. Pascal, Denise, Kev, everyone that supports us over on Patreon. We'll see y'all next week and probably get back to a little bit of live streaming as well for our supporters. So thank you for your patience as we try just these new things with the Nerd Podcasts Network. Now, it's been a big old week. Did the Mandalorian follow up that absolutely stellar 10 out of 10 penultimate episode with another 10 out of 10? Well, there's only one person that can tell us. Well, there's only one person that can tell us his opinion, actually. Yeah, well, it's up to us whether we listen to it or not. And what I will say is, he's the man, he's the myth. He will probably become a legend about 30 to 35 years after he dies. It is, of course, Gary Aylett. Welcome to this week's Mandalorian Review podcast as a wonderful co-host and obviously a sexual tyrannosaur with your little hands. Yeah, that's the only problem with having that nickname. Isn't is it? At face value, <laughs> amazing. But then when you see the hands, oh, he only got little hands, hasn't he? But also mm. as well, if you think about it, like that's from the 80s, isn't it? It's from Predator, right? So like a tyrannosaur is like a predator. So it's like, I want to call myself a sexual predator. Call myself I, one. Yeah. Yeah. That flew in the eighties. It did. You could do anything on screen in the eighties. No one cared. You know Thicker what I mean? skins, mate. That's what it was. Macho. Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of TikToks, you know. Good. Where yeah. Well, quite an achievement, Gary. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Where a lot of people played on that theme. Where it's like, this is why I, names don't hurt me. Because there's like a dude that's been thrown over the counter by his mum as she's yelling at him to like clean up the cereal and everything. And that was in the 80s. And it's exactly like that. It's, yeah, they just got away with, because people didn't care. It was like, yeah, fine. You call me an arsehole. In yeah, it. Let's have yeah, it. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, someone's like, you're a wanker. Like, yep, yep. Next. So are you, mate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you get that on nights <laughs> out, like someone's... Like I've, I've had it a few times when you go on nights out and you've had a couple of jars, you're a little bit tipsy and then obviously someone's mouthing either at the bar or whatever and they get like a bit younger and they give you their best put down and you're like, that's where you went with specky four eyes. Is that it? That is what you've got. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you almost want them to come back with something a bit. You're like, 
Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on, try again. Go again. <laughs> you got a free yeah. one. Off and it often go. gets the reaction that they don't <laughs> want. Like, they'll want you to kick off and you're just like... <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll read you though. Yeah, they listen to this. Guess what, guess what this guy's just said. This is hilarious. And then obviously everyone starts wetting themselves. And it's just like a... Yeah, it really is like a water off a duck's back because you got beat up by your science teacher. Do you know what I mean? It's literally like, that, yeah. You were yeah. literally whipped verbally and, and all sometimes physically. I remember getting a smack in school, junior school. Yeah. Primary school teacher, she gave me a right wallop once because I threw some Lego. I won't do that I'll again. I'll stand mate. on that later, Gary. What? <laughs> but I didn't do it again, though. That's mm. the... Well, we're kind of going out road, but... Yeah, so the, uh, the my opinion on this mandalorian stuff and star wars will probably become legend yeah i think you're right around 30 years possibly 35 don't know yeah there or thereabouts mate there or thereabouts now i'm gonna get into the finale um i'm sure that we've barely done anything else star wars this week i've not done anything maybe a little bit of clone wars i did watch a little bit of clone wars but it's all been about the mandalorian finale so i'm gonna give the very speedy recap because it's a weird episode this like, there's not loads to recap. You know, when you were, if someone said, well, what happened? We should do a recap. There's not that much to say, but there's a lot to dig into. So it picks up from last week. Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, has been kidnapped by the Bugalugs that is Mos- Moff Gideon with his Beskar armoured, blooded stormtrooper, clone fella things. And all it is, that doesn't last very long. Then Jaren shows how much of a badass he still is, which we sometimes forget this season because he's not done much, but he whoops some ass big time, escapes, goes to get Grogu, who basically gives him a little bit of a battle talk, doesn't he? Look, you know, we've got to go do this thing. We've got to take Gideon out. Otherwise, it's never going to end. And uh, are you in? Grogu's like, I'm terrified, but I'm in. Let's do this. So they do. They go, they go wipe out everyone, which I'll talk about in a second because he's like, I've got no weapons. And I was like, you idiot. Then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, that's why he's got no weapons, because it's meant. So he goes off, kills a load of these guards in some sort of Phantom Menace style vibe, goes, wipes out all these guys, gets a load of weapons, goes, takes out Moff Gideon, who's just about to win. Bo-Katan, obviously it was always going to be Bo-Katan, comes in, starts to beat up on Moff Gideon, and uh, dogfighting, 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 Mandalorians, cool shots, lots of dogfighting, really badass jetpack stuff, big hair fight, big air fight, really, really cool. And all it is, Axe Wolves, you know that guy, bit of a bugalugs, came through in the end, crashes the old, remember they had that Star Destroyer? It was like a Veneta class shuttle thing. They got that, didn't they? Rebranded it. He crashes that because he gets beat up by a load of TIE fighters, breaks down, crashes it into the facility on Mandalore, blows up Moff Gideon just as he's about to win. Grogu pulls a Kane and Jarrus, protects them all using the force from this big explosion, which is absolutely badass. They get Mandalore back, do a big thing. The Darksaber gets crushed by Gideon. That's no more. Then Mando nips off to Navarro via the New Republic outpost. Like he's just gone to the pub to see Teva. Says, look, I'll work for you. I'll bounty hunt for you, for the good guys, case by case, like Columbo. I don't work for you. Don't want a pension. You know it's a good deal. Crack on. Dave Flown is there. He signs it off because he works there. Jobs are good. Then... Carl Weathers gives him a house because he offered him the house at the beginning. And and Grogu and Mando, Mando just go, this is brilliant. I've got my new house. Happily ever after. Little house on the prairie style stuff. But 
But of course, the big emotional beat is Pre Vizsla's son, sorry, Paz Vizsla's son, sadly, now fatherless. Ooh. He gets inaugurated into Children of the Watch or the new Mandalorians. You know, it takes the uh, takes a step into the holy waters, the sacred waters on, on, on Mandalore. And at that point, then Jaren says, well, Grogu's got to do the same. She says, he can't. He's not Mandalorian. He says, he is now because I'm adopting him. So he adopts him there and then. No paperwork. Just gets it done. And he gets called Din Grogu. So Din's not a name. It's a title. A little bit like Darth Vader. So that shocked everyone. And uh, happily ever after on Navarro. Because now he's got to go out on adventures, which is brilliant. Because that's what the armourer said. Take him on some weekly adventures so the show can get back to its roots. She implied that last bit. So, that was the finale of The Mandalorian Season 3. Quick review and your number out of 10, Gazlar. That was another good recap, buddy. I'm a bit drier with the mana. No, not at all. I'm trying to be dry. I'll be drier next time. Very entertaining. Dave Filoni signs it off because he works. Yeah, he's like... Love it. I'm going to sit in the bar because there's a deal going on. So I'm going to... I'll just get me another drink because there's some... (laughs) I need to sign this off because I'm a producer. (laughs) Uh, On my score out of 10 will be a nine for this one. Oof. It'll be a nine because... And this is very silly. I get, I read you. I know you're going to you're going to cuss me for this, but it's a nine. It's almost a ten because there was no big surprise, which we've become accustomed to in the finales these days. I was expecting somebody to rock up, somebody to arrive, not necessarily a huge Luke moment, but just somebody to turn up and do do some shit, and uh, that didn't happen. But the rest of it was absolutely incredible, dude. It was uh, very much on par with last week. Loads of action, loads of lore, loads of cool stuff in that respect. And some answers to things that have been kicking around for a while, such as the cloning thing. Was that Snoke in the cloning tubes? Was it not? Turns out it was uh, old Moff trying to clone himself, trying to do the old, uh, what was it, billion dollar man, whatever it was from the 80s. We can make six million dollar man, six million dollar man with inflation. Yeah, it's about right. And uh, yeah, that whole bigger, faster, better thing. So he wants to do the. He wants to try and inject some force abilities into his clone and and do all that jazz. So that was very cool, and the the kind of full circle relationship that's come back round with with Din and Grogu because that got lost a little bit throughout some parts of the season, and that was all good. And the whole Mandalore, they've seemingly retaken that and that was the objective, so that's all good. So yeah, it's um yeah, there's a few little little niggles in there, but overall, dude, very, very cool. Just a point off because there was no big finale surprise. What about you? Yeah, I get that. I was half expecting like Arnie to just walk accidentally onto the wrong set. Or Rocky. And that's that's the yeah, Rocky or anyone <laughs> that was like anyone that knew Carl Weathers. And just to be in the wrong place, like, Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And him just being like, hey, oh. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. Easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's like, I need to be like, I'm sorry, Apollo. I'm sorry. I know you're not in character, so I will call you Apollo, your real name now. <laughs> 
And then Carl <laughs> Weathers like, my name's not fucking Apollo, man. It's Carl Weathers. And then like, can you get my friend T-800 out of here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> get him out. Maybe that's his nickname for him. T-800, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. How's it going? <clears throat> It's good. <laughs> Apollo, how are you? <laughs> uh, uh, I have my own donkeys now <laughs> on Instagram. Now, <laughs> you get my newsletter. <laughs> Jesus. He's <laughs> like, God, oh, he never pulls this. <laughs> writes itself, mate. Writes itself. Anyway, um, yeah, I get that. Do you know what? I'm going to go the opposite way. I thought it was better without the big surprise. I was expecting one. Mm-hmm. I'm also giving it a nine, but for a different reason. The only reason I'm giving it a nine is because last the week before it was that good. And just because I just don't think it was as... It was tense, man. The fight scenes were brutal. It was, And I was like, oh my God, anything could happen because it's become about Mandalore. They could even kill the Mandalorian. They could even kill Grogu. Like it's clear what's happened. They could just kill anyone. So I was really tense throughout it. But it just... It didn't have the smack... And I think it might be the shock factor of like, wow, we didn't expect that. I think maybe last week's was that good that it's set up this week to just be more of the same, which is not, it's not a bad thing. It's just, there was a lot of surprises last week. Like, oh, the Praetorian Guard, holy crap, look at them. You know, and it was, so when it when, when they arrived this time, I was like, it's clearly badass. And there was a ma- lot of amazing stuff in there. Um, the, the scene with Grogu and all that stuff, how they, they you know, we said it's going to take him teaming up to do it. And it, I thought they did just enough with Grogu. He wasn't overly powerful. Like if it had just come out as this mega Jedi, it had been too much. So he was just doing enough. Um, but there was just some, there was something that didn't, it wasn't quite as fulfilling as last week. And I think it might be that shock and awe factor. So it's not a bad episode by any stretch. In fact, it, it's, it's up there with the very, very best of them. And I think it's better for the closure and I think it's better for without any surprises. But it was, I think it's just because last week was that good. It's almost like I've got to reserve a 10 for, for, for if it, when it gets that little bit better. Do you know what I mean? It's that, which is probably a silly thing. Um, yeah. yeah. And I might last change that by the, yeah, it, was, it was, it yeah. was. I might change that by the end of, end of this session, to be totally honest with you. Might be um, eight. Yeah, could be six, actually. All it yeah, is. Nice. Um, all right, let's pick up on some bits. Um, the first thing I want to chat on is probably the, for the first time out of all of the Mandalorian episodes, this has felt like absolutely quintessentially OT Star Wars. It f- like with R5 and the little droids, little mouse droids, the... Um, the base, the way that it would, like when you first saw R5 land and he's sort of sorting his stuff out and he's right in, he's in the Imperial base, you know, into a, uh, into a scomp um, port. And it, I just thought that is such a Star Wars move. And the whole thing, because it was so tightly enclosed, it was all on Mandalore. It was all TIE fighters. It was all um, the big shuttle. It was all Mandalorian dogfights. It was all um, close quarters battle with Gideon and Bo-Katan and Din Djarin and, and even the Praetorian Guards and those guys. Um, even the callback to the Phantom Menace with the energy shields. Um, it just, for me, this is the most Star Wars that the Mandalorian has ever, ever felt. Um, I don't know if you clocked that. I'm sure you did, but how did you feel about that? Yeah, there were some absolute parallels there with the films. The Phantom Menace one was the biggie visually that you've clocked. 
with the shields. Although we needed a bit of hand-holding with that for the the youngsters out there, the dudes that haven't seen episode one when uh, when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are uh, going to kick some ass with, uh, with Darth Maul, they have to go through this sequence where the shields open sequentially and, and that sort of thing. With this one... We have Din, who's like, "Yeah, open them when I give you the cl- when I give you the cue, you open them, and it's 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 go time." So that was really cool. But the biggest parallel that I found that wasn't that visual was to Episode Three. You know, the opening sort of twenty minutes, half an hour to that film. It's all contained on that ship, isn't it? I think it's um, is it uh, what's his face's ship? Grievous, Grievous isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and. Um, it's basically Obi-Wan and, and Anakin taking on, you know, all the cannon fodder before they get to Dooku. Is it Dooku? Or, I can't remember which one. Yeah, they get to go to Dooku to get the Chancellor. To rescue the Chancellor, yeah, of course. And in this, it was very similar where it was um, eventually Bogatan, Bogatan and Din who were taking on Moff Gideon, who was the baddie at the time. And then elsewhere, you had the big space battle with the, you know, that's you know, all the jetpacks going on. And then a bit later on, you had all the, the ships coming down and TIE fighters and all that stuff. So it very much felt like that. And even in episode three, where you have R2 chipping around with Anakin's like, do this, do this. And R5's the same. Like uh, Mando's like, you need to go and do this and do that. So the parallel was very much there in terms of that formula just works for OTT Star Wars from the films. Why not apply some of that here? So it's really cool when you just go back and forth you have all those dudes taking on the the Imperials with the Beskar and the and the jetpacks that were introduced to you last week. Those all, you know, big battle that you see in the background, and then it focuses a bit more tightly on the fight with Moff Gideon and so on. If he is Moff Gideon, if it isn't one of his clones, in which it. we'll, we'll that, come on to. That's yeah. the get out of jail free card for later. Like in fact, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll mention that because it's it's I was delighted that we had all that closure with Moff Gideon. You know, we'll talk about the other stuff with Mando later, but um, we called it last week, they might just kill him off Gideon and get it done with. And, you know, that'd bring this story to a close. And we, we did mention that last week. And I, I, I really liked that. Like, I really liked that they did that. And especially the way that they did it to shadow rebels, um, you know, almost almost showing how powerful Grogu is with the force because that's what wiped out Kanan. You know, he just couldn't, he couldn't hold it off and Grogu could. Um, and, you know, it was a crashing bloody starship. You know, that's a, that's a pretty big thing. Um, that's not a Honda Civic. That's it's not a Civic. Not even a Type R one, mate, with the extra. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it was, it was, I was glad for that. And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, you, Mark, you know, I get it. I get, I get it. I get it. That that's the cloning stuff. And I, I get, of course, that's the cloning stuff because of the, the, the narcissism that Gideon has. Um, but also like you just in case, haven't you? You've just encased it. And I hope they don't bring him back. I hope they tell more stories. But just in case. But, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. You don't, I didn't get the feeling that he was dead anyway. Even if that was the real Moff Gideon. No? I, I, I don't think that would have killed him anyway. It's just a bit of fire. Like, it seems to me like, all the Mandalorians are just immune to, to, to fire because there was a bit where, oh, when yeah. Mando was taking down all of the the troopers on his way to Moff's um, office, <laughs> his office, um, there was one where they one of them just 
cut loose with a flamethrower. And a large portion of Mando's outfit is just fabric. And even that's just like, yeah, whatever, fire. <laughs> Teflon. Yeah. So even when the, all the fire engulfed him on the edge of that platform, I don't think that would have killed him anyway. So he's definitely back at some point. Uh, yeah, I hope he's not. I hope he's dead. I think he's too big a character not to bring back. Um, but I hope he's dead. I think it's a really nice way to round out the story. I think the reason that I like it is that obviously it was, he had his own agenda for the cloning, which is why he was not concerned, but why he had a, there's a you know undertone of trepidation around um, Thrawn coming back and being like, I fucking know what you're up to. Thrawn's not daft. Um, but it's not daft. <laughs> not daft. But then there's... I just really like that also, like the Shadow Council are probably like, did you hear that about Gideon? Yeah. I wondered why he wasn't at the meeting on Thursday. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> fucking out of it, mate. What do you mean? <laughs> well, we got a report. Did you? Yeah, yeah. He's gone, mate. So they're going to be delighted because they can just focus on being the Imperial remnant, you know, becoming the First Order. Because Thrawn's got to get out of the picture again in the future. He's got to die or he's got to be off again because he wasn't in the sequels. Mm. And, you know, yeah. you got if Hux is one of the commanders and Thrawn's not, you like he's dead or he's made a serious error. You know what I mean? Thrawn would be running the show. You've got to think that. Unless, um, unless he's not killed off and all of this stuff is a big build-up for him being the main baddie in the new sequel stuff. Well, that's a good shout, actually. I mean, he'd be pretty old then, but we don't know a chiss. We don't. We could pull a chiss card over the age like we do. I get it. I get it. I get it. Not a bad shout, mate. Actually, Palps was old because if you think about it, that was a bit. That'd be a really good arc yeah. to start building now. So when that film drops in how many years' time? Was it twenty twenty seven? Is it twenty five? Mm -hmm. Whatever. Everyone's really used to how badass Thrawn is. It's like shit. That's actually not a bad shout because they did screw up the screw. You know, screw the pooch. We know set upon Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. You know, screw the pooch. So maybe, do you think? So who's going to pick up the cloning project now? Then, so now that Moff is uh, immediately dead, not for the far future, but at the moment he's gone. Who's going to pick up the cloning project that ultimately is going to create Snoke and the Emperor and so on? Well, I, I don't think that was the Imperial Remnants cloning project. Oh, you I think that was him, like being tasked. Right, your job is Pershing's in this sector. Go and figure Pershing out and get the stuff we need from him. And then, you know, fig I don't even think the Shadow Council knew about him wanting the Force DNA. Oh, okay, right. right. So I think it's Brendel Hooks. So in the in the aftermath books, Brendel Hooks is responsible for like the, the basically responsible for the kids, the conscripts that become the become Finn, basically. Um, but also the cloning element of it as well. Like, do we do clones? Do we not do clones? Are we trying to figure out the emperor? Like, that's a retcon. Are we trying to figure out the emperor or not? Um, but I think it'll be Brendel Hooks, and that's why he's so important. And it's, you've got to wonder, like, is actual Hooks in the future? Like, is he actually a clone? You know, you just don't. And there's loads of cards they could play with. We know it's not because he's in the aftermath books. But you could easily play the world. Boba Fett was Django's son, quote unquote, son. Um, mm. so there's loads of little threads I think they could pull but yeah for me I think it's Brendel dude I think he's there um, running that one and I, th I, I feel that's what they've done they've cleared the path for Mando season 4 to be a bit of a weekly thing but start building up these rumours of Thrawn you know can I have someone else doing something oh do you know the Shadow Council exists or who's this guy 
and, and, and sort of figuring out that the New Republic's getting these reports that they can't follow. They can't do anything with this. So you've got to, you know, you were, you've got, you've got to go and do this thing. You know, you were our, the side of us that we can't be publicly seen to be the, the special forces contractor, if you like. Um, so I think that's, they've left it in such an interesting place from that perspective, dude. I actually quite like that. Um, mm. Let's talk about Mandalore for a second, because Mandalore's back. Um, and I wonder personally whether or not that's on purpose, because we know that in the Clone Wars and Rebels and even before all that stuff, Mandalore was seen as this force to be reckoned with. Like the Emperor took out Mandalore because if he didn't, there would be a serious thorn in, thorn, uh, thorn in his side. It feels like that's a bit of a setup as well. Like, okay, Thrawn's coming back over here. The Mandalorians are going to be really powerful again. So do not screw with, like, I'd rather Mandalore was off the board, but they're not anymore. So that's a worry for the Imperial Remnant plus, you know, Thrawn, whoever. Um, how do you feel about that whole Mandalore thing? You know, the Darksaber's gone, which I really liked him crushing that. I thought it was a nice way to underscore that the old Mandalore ways of civil war and, you know, whoever... If Darth Maul comes along again and says, I'm the boss, they're going to be like, how are you the boss? Oh, you've got that sword. Okay, I guess we should probably believe you then. Like all that stupid stuff is finished. Like they're not idiots. So it, it just feels like it's in a nice place with that. So what do you think about the whole Mandalore arc and the Mandalorian arc? And, and then sort of it, you know, we know this season became about Mandalore, the bigger picture. It feels like it's, that's, Okay, that's there. Mandalore's done and finished with. Now let's bring it back to Din Djarin and so on. Like, how do you feel about that entire thing? Yeah, I, I like that that has been wrapped up for us. I think it. We, we're still unsure on timelines and time jumps and whatnot for this, but it feels like it's moved a bit quick in terms of just deciding one day, <clears throat> yeah, I've seen the mythosaur. Now everything that I thought I believed, I don't longer believe. And now I think it's time that we take back Mandalore. And then it felt like a fortnight later, <laughs> Mandalore's is ours. So I, I felt like it moved a little bit quick, but understandably so. You've only got eight episodes in a season to do that. So you kind of have to really. But I do like that we've we've moved away from, like you said, we've moved away from that whole, here's the little trinket thing that makes you the leader of, of Mandalore. Because that served its purpose really well in in the Clone Wars, for example, and that sort of thing where you need to have some kind of plot mechanism that you can write around rather than just, uh, you know, I've defeated you in battle, now I'm the I'm the dude. It's, you know, they needed something else to to have a bit of history with with that stuff and the purge and the fallout and whatnot. So it, it was very cool, but like you said, it's it feels like now it's been destroyed. It's, um, it sort of gets away from that, that sort of rinse and repeat. And it also feels like, the it, it kind of forces the the people of Mandalore now to take a step forward and to progress in a bit more of a smarter way, like instead of just relying so much on the whole history of things and 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 the traditions of the the old days, I guess they'll call it now. Now it's a case of right, this is an opportunity to to build Mandalore in a much more robust way. Like the leader of Mandalore is not going to be turfed out just because they don't have a sword you know that sort of thing so yeah i think it's a bit more of a it matures mandalore uh in you know in a big way but yeah it's fairly satisfying dude it's it's cool to have to have those guys back and they, they their numbers seem to grow really quickly as well in that last scene or one of the last scenes when they're all cheering and, and you know around the forge and everything 
there seems to be loads of them, like four or five times the amount that we saw um, when they when they teamed up with Bo Katan and, and whatnot. So yeah, it looks really. I'm I'm really happy with that dude. I'm wondering where it fits into things now, though, as in they've only just got their planet back and they're they're going to start sorting that out. Do they really want to go to war with anybody else now? Is it going to be a case of because because what would what would Thrawn want with Mandalore when he comes back? You know, so I'm wondering where it fits into the story now. But in in terms of this, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I agree, man. And it's I mean, the only thing for me would be that there would just be a potential th- thorn in his side. You know, just that, you know, you take the, the the main contenders off, but I don't think they need to go there quickly. I don't think it needs to be, no. a, here's a plot point. Because there's other stuff to deal with. You know, I, and also mm. I wonder if just Bo-Katan is such a big character now that you almost need to use her. You know, she's got history with Ahsoka, she's got history with now with Din Djarin, and if they're building to a Filoni movie, I, there's a safe bet she's going to be involved, um, which, which I would say um, it will be quite interesting. Um, Grogu then, and uh, let's talk about his force abilities. Let's talk about Din Djarin and the fights and all that stuff. The choreography was badass. Um, everything was just very well put together with that one. What did you think of of how they balanced Grogu's use of the suit, um, the force abilities that he's got, the clear Yoda-style flips, you know, big callback to the Dooku fight in episode two, um, where he's springing all over the place to get out of the guards, that combo of them coming together to take over and, and to finally sort of overcome the guards. Um, what do you think about that balance between Grogu's force sensitivity and, and, and not overusing it, maybe not doing enough with it, whatever? Like, what, how do you feel about that whole, the whole Grogu in the finale? Yeah, kind of, kind of expected in terms of what he would be doing. We knew that he was going to have a bit of a tear up in that IG-11 suit. So we kind of knew that. and um, But at the same time, there was a, a, a huge moment where you thought, oh my God, is he going to be... <laughs> uh, are they going to kill off Grogu? Because there was a bit where the Praetorian guards chase after him and you thought, there's no way. There's, there's no way that he, he can take on three of those dudes. And you thought, oh my God, is this how they're going to end the... Is, going back to that thing I said earlier about the big surprise, is this going to be the thing um, for the finale? It's like, shit, uh, is he going to be injured at least? But And uh, and it really sort of um, reminded you that when all said and done, Grogu is a force user. That That's the thing that, that he's going to have to really start, you're going to have to start knuckling down, yeah, and get that sorted because although he saved the day a couple of times, and it was a very cool fight with with Mando and those those guards when he was sort of ducking out of the way and Grogu pulled one with the force and there was that big tussle. It was very cool. And he did the whole fire thing, like Kanan. And there there are there is going to come a point, I think, where that's just not going to be enough. There's going to be a huge whatever the the Mandalorian film or season four, wherever it's you know whatever's next. There's probably going to be a huge tear up, and he's going to have to do more than that. So. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind the whole flipping around and doing some of that stuff and the, and the battle and everything. I just feel like it, it was a good way of reminding us that he could be in whatever suit and use whatever weapons, but ultimately it's the force that's going to be, you know, what he's what he's going to be known for. So yeah, I liked him in this one actually. I thought he was, and the end scene as well, the closing credit scene was very cute. He didn't eat the frog. Let it go. Let it so, go. 
He's grown. Yeah, we'll get to some of that because I think it's uh, it was it was quite nice, wasn't it? But yeah, I would agree with you, man. I think it's 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 Filoni and Fav really kind of understanding that they didn't have to just make him this this almost the old do sex. You know, he's not the solution to everything by just instantly becoming super powerful. Um, which I think sometimes you could, you could easily fall into that trap of give the fans what they want. Let him, you know, put him up against three Praetorian guy. We thought he was going to get wiped out. We thought he was probably going to, um, I suppose, not be able to stand his ground because he's just not big enough, he's just not strong enough, he's just not old enough. And I think you'd have probably been able to um, maybe maybe get away with like him being suddenly all-powerful. You know, I think people would have probably been all right with that. Um Maybe until until like second viewing. So I think I think if they'd have made him super powerful, like like I said, he get he, he takes these Praetorian guards on. If he was to suddenly become this mega powerful force user, I think they would have got away with it once. But then on second viewing, or in the reviews a little bit later when you reflect on it, you'd have been like, oh, actually, that was a bit of fan service. It was badass in the moment, but how did he get there? And it, it sort of would have undermined the journey of the last three seasons. And I think they've sometimes got to do that in movies, but in TV shows, I don't think they needed to do that. Um, but mm. you're right. I think he's got to lean into the force. I think he will probably lean into that, 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 you know, a bit of commentary from Fav and Filoni on what does it mean to be a very powerful force user that has turned away from the Jedi, you know, as Anakin could have, as Obi-Wan could have, as Luke almost could have. Um, what does that actually mean as Ahsoka did? You know, what does it mean to be a very powerful force user, but to not study the Jedi ways? Um, so I just feel mm. like there might be something in that somewhere down the line. It's almost at odds a little bit as well with his fu- his potential future because he's now obviously an official Mandalorian, isn't he? He's, a, he's an apprentice. He's Din Grogu. So he's Mando's apprentice. But that's kind of at odds with his, like the, how do I put it? So with the whole Luke thing, when Luke turned up to take him and to train him as a Jedi, which he was like, yeah, I'll do that. It's all good. And then he missing Mando and going back with him. That it felt like that was the natural path for him. But maybe that's just because we've been, we've had, you know, 50 years or 40 years of, of Yoda stuff. So you you just thought that that was the, the natural path for him to do the whole force thing. So this kind of feels at odds a little bit. It feels like Mando can train him as best as he can, use weapons, blasters, whatever. But it doesn't feel like that's what he should be doing. So although it's very cool, it just feels a little bit at odds with, maybe it's just a Yoda thing. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's what that is, Yoda and Yaddle, just because we've only, we've seen those species twice and it's been Yoda and Yaddle. Um, mm, yeah. And it, yeah, I think you're right with that because your expectation is that he will become Yoda. But actually... I quite like this new path that they're putting together, which is very much, you know, straddling both sides of it. I think it'll be interesting, especially in what is clearly like the coming war. You know, there's another there's another skirmish coming before we get to the First Order. Um, or as you said, maybe even after the First Order, we don't know. Um, so yeah, 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 that's, that, that's actually quite interesting because I think towing that line and... Yeah. You know, does it ex- or do you end up trying to explore as Dave Filoni? You know, what happens if you know he's, he's got unfulfilled potential? You know, is, is he going to run into Luke again or Ahsoka again and whatever? So, quite interesting to see how that plays out. But I think 
a lot of the predictions we made for this season, as, as I think inevitably happens, the writers are just a lot different to us. They think like writers and we think like fans. So I think even if we were to try and extrapolate that out a little bit and think it through, we're obviously going to get it wrong. Um, because they don't think like we do. They, they think, they think you don't want to cast aspersions on fans, but we, we don't <laughs> think as originally as they do sometimes, except for the Rise of Skywalker, uh, which was shite. So I think... <laughs> <clears throat> that was oh, shy. No. Oh no! To let him go in the end. Um, so yeah, interesting man. Interesting. Um, let's pick out a couple of um, a couple of the the sort of non Grogu and Din things, and I want to just probably wrap up by talking about that ending with them. The Mandalorian dogfights, dude, and some of those fighting scenes, and even the Tie Fighters, and all that like, air everything aerial was just mental good. Mm-hmm. Mental good. Crazy good, yeah. And you would have been like, look, Kath, we're going to need a bit more money here. All right? I know you've just ordered. Yeah, you've just got your coffee machine in here. I get that. But we're going to need a few beans with this one because we're talking jetpacks. We're talking space battles. We're talking fire effects. Premiere Pro, yeah? The whole shebang. So this is going to cost you. I would have not liked to have been in that one for sure because that's what like, come, on, come on come on you guys can do this you've got the volume you can do all your trickery and everything and yeah it's the, the amount of money poured into it was it's almost feature film sort of equivalent it just looked amazing and uh yeah like i think you mentioned it last week as well it's uh, these two episodes were combined just some of the most star warsy over the top what you'd expect from just a fantastic Star Wars movie, but just in the TV series. So I think the only bit of saving grace on the budget, and I'm no expert on this thing, but when you have anything that you do in a corridor, corridors are super cheap <laughs> to do. So there was quite a bit of running down corridors and battles in corridors. So that offset a little bit, but in terms of like visual storytelling and, and like the action and the suspense with all that stuff, it's fantastic. Really good. Probably the best we've seen in a, in a, Maybe better than Obi-Wan even in, in a TV story for, for yeah. Star Wars. I get that, mate. I'd said that, that and Andor and, and, and most of the Obi-Wan episodes as well in terms of that. The, um, but, you know, and I suppose the way to think about this episode as well is that it is actually a movie. It's a 90-minute movie along with the last episode. You know, to, to split them up is sort of unreasonable anyway. So maybe that affects my rating. Maybe they are two tens because you're watching them together. Do you know what I mean? It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to watch that at the cinema, you'd be like, whoa, you know, like if they did like a Doctor Who thing where it was right, we're going to run six episodes, then seven and eight back to back in the cinema. You'd have walked out and given it a 10. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, so maybe. And that's very cool with TV these days. And uh, coincidentally, when I've reviewed the Doctor Who stories on my other podcast from the classic years where they're four and six parters, the old black and white ones. They are not designed to be watched as a you know combined or as a binge watch. They are terribly padded yeah. and everything. You know, they were back in the day when it was like, you know, you watched one week and then the next week you had a little recap and then you were into it. So but storytelling nowadays for TV and streaming services, it's like you can just it's a bit like Stranger Things when they launch, you can just like mm. hours, you know, and just do the whole thing. So for that reason alone, I think I might go up a point as well as you, dude. Yeah, if you watched those, those two together, the finale and stuff, yeah, man. Yeah. That's got to be, yeah, I suppose it's been a bit unfair to downgrade it just because it's 
it wasn't the last episode. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, right, let's talk uh, for a minute about the, I suppose the ending, but the whole, you know, it was that wipe, wasn't it? The Star Wars wipe and you're out at the bloody medal ceremony. You know, that it was that, you know, battle done, <laughs> woof, wipe medal ceremony. Um, the, I suppose the inauguration of Vizsla's son, you know, the taking the creed, becoming a Mandalorian, um, you know, the, the, the ascension of Bo-Katan, if you like, but also not quite the ascension, more just like I'm sort of the de facto leader because there's no one else, but I'm not like I used to be with the dark saber and all that stuff. Um, just that little outro, which felt like a soft reset. It felt like a bit of a Mandalore's back. That storyline with the clones is done. Now we're back to the Western. Now we're back to like the week by week stuff, which it started out really nicely. So I don't think there's any problem with that. Um, talk, let's talk about the adoption and the Dingrogu thing. Um, and then talk about what that, you know, the, the week by week nature of it in the future. Because even the bloody armor has said, take them on your adventures. You're like, oh, oh, oh that's, I know what's going on here. That's a, that's for us. You, yeah, keep your arm with Tom, but we know where you're looking. Into the camera, bitches. It was <laughs> quite straightforward, you know, what was going on. Um, Din Grogu, did that surprise you as much as it did me? And I'm like, what does that mean then for his... Is dinner name? Is dinner surname? Is dinner like a title like Darth is? Or like, what's the deal? Mm. It, did that throw you as much as it threw me? It did throw me, yeah, because... Um you don't hear it or or see that same continuation of names throughout anything else to do with Mando. So initially I thought, is that going to be, is that like, is Din the family name then? Yeah, like Kreese or something like that. Yeah, but it's just weird, isn't it? Because it's at the beginning. So is it like Moff? Is he a Moff sort of thing? Is it like a title? But yeah, so that was weird, dude. It was um very cute, but very weird. And also I've got to say the armourer is the easiest bloody parent you could ever mm. have. He did this before, didn't he? At the very beginning, he was like, I'm going to be a Mandalorian again. She's like, nope, can't do it, mate. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be another, I'm going to be a Mandalorian one day when I grow up. She's like, no, you can't because you took your helmet off. Well, I'm going to go and bathe in these waters and come back and I'll be a Mandalorian. She'll be like, all right then. I'll learn you. <laughs> go and do that. And then in this one, he's like, yeah, I'm going to, he's, he's no longer a foundling because he's kicked ass. So now he's going to be a, he's going to be an apprentice, a proper Mando. She's like, no, he can't. Too young, can't talk, so no. See you later. Well, I'm going to do this thing, and now he is. All right, then. Yeah, he is. It's like back in the day. It's like, Mom, can I have a chocolate bar? No, you bloody can't. Oh, please. Oh, go on, then. Go on, then. Can I have a chocolate, guys? God, you little scamp. Go on, get one and get out of here. Oh, oh. So she was easy. It's like every time he asks for something, she says no. And then he says, yeah, but what about this thing? Oh, go, go on. You've got the rule book, clearly. But it was cute, though. I must admit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was it was nice to see that. What do you think it means now for them on Navarro in the little hut? Very, very little house on the prairie. You know, mm. even with the little the little ending in ending note there, just showing basically it's him and his kid. And I think we sometimes forget that Grogu is still a kid. Um, True. Yeah. But you know what? Do, what do you what do you make of that? It, it had sort of homestead flavors from A New Hope. You know, it had um, it had that sort of feeling where just before Luke goes off to do the whole, um, you know, I'm going to be the new saviour of the galaxy. Luke's like, oh, I'm just a kid, you know, I'm just a kid in my little homestead. You know, I'm chilling out, playing with the old Imperial shuttle toy and all that jazz. 
and that's all good. Um, and it felt like that. It felt like they've just got their own little, their own little space to chill out. And let's be honest, they've deserved a bit of a chill. They've deserved some chill time. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was yeah, that sort of flavour. And also, it links into the the other part of, um, the the Mandalorian, where if we think back to, um the the very first season where we see mando we have those flashbacks and whatnot it's very much a case of alongside mando doing the call bounty hunter stuff which is all the badass stuff ultimately he still just wants to be you know just live a simple life it feels like he just he doesn't want to have to go through all of the all of the all of the bs that everyone else goes through in the rest of the galaxy he just wants a simple life in and in and around the call badass bounty hunting stuff so yeah feels like it's a natural fit for him to have a his own little base of operations i suppose yeah like it man yeah i, I agree i think it sets the tone for next year to be or next season to be very much uh, very much open i know they've written it which is quite interesting because they said they had to write it as they were editing season three which i sort of understand but then it also feels weird because they've done such a soft reset with it that it feels like they didn't have to. I mean, we aren't writers, but it feels like, like was that essential? You know, yeah. it's a pretty solid reset. But for, for my money, I think what's happening behind the scenes, and I might be completely wrong again because I'm no expert on this, but I think what's going on here is that it's not just about it being in post-production on season three and writing for season four. I think it's because the movie was going to be announced and they've got for, to get that out when they're going to get it out. They have got to start planning that now. It's not like it's just, here's a standalone movie or a new franchise that is all fresh. It's like, this movie's coming and it relies on all these other series, so we better start doing this now because we've got other series going on and all that sort of stuff. And I, Do you know what else it feels like as well? It feels like him going into Teva and saying, look, I'll contract for you. They're it is almost replacing Rangers the New Republic a little bit. You oh, you picked that. up on that as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, defo. Um, and it might be a case of that that becomes the new de facto for that that arc maybe that we've seen in the books and whatnot. So the Rangers of the Republic, maybe that's what this is going to become. Mando is, is that thing, you know. Mabes. Mabes. Mebs, Mebs, Mebs. Well, nonetheless, it, it was a quite a satisfying ending to season three. It's been a tumultuous season. It's felt very much like it's fallen into the trap of so many other shows or even so many other Star Wars pieces of content where it stopped being about the thing that we enjoyed and, and it started to digress. But I think they, I do think looking back on this season that they've handled it quite well. Yes, we needed more Grogu progression. Yes, we needed more Din Djarin progression. But actually... It's set, set up a new status quo for Mandalore and for Star Wars overall. It has. We haven't seen much New Republic stuff, and I think we're about to see more of that, and I think that will get quite interesting. So, overall, a fulfilling end in my view, my man, and it sounds like we've both budged our initial scores of 9 up to 10 just because, because of that two-part status. I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed doing this podcast. Um, we're going to be back next week with our normal Sparkle Rebellion. 
So that's basically a news roundup for busy Star Wars fans like myself and Gaz and just like you, where we take the news from the last couple of weeks, we round it up, just make it easy for you to digest and give a little bit of our take on it as well. So if you're in the market for a Star Wars podcast that keeps you entertained on a Saturday morning, but also keeps you up to date with that galaxy far, far away in your busy life, go to sparkrebellion.com and you can choose where you want to listen. This podcast, the Mandalorian Review Podcast, will indeed be back with Season 4 of Mando. We might even do a Mando preview episode on this and drop it into the Spark Rebellion feed. And you can, of course, listen to this here wherever you're listening to this right now. So we'll see you next season, but hopefully see you on sparkrebellion.com as well. We'll be back live streaming for our Spark Rebellion fans next week as we're recording. And Gazla, I've enjoyed this season, mate. It's been nice to, you know, just play with the format a little bit, get out into the nerdpodcast.com network a little bit. I know we've got other shows launching under that banner very, very soon, both Star Wars related and non-Star Wars related. Um, so I'm excited about all that stuff too, but also equally excited to get back to Spark Rebellion next week and business as usual, dude. So yeah, it's been fun. Thanks, man. It's been really fun, yeah. It's been cool to just talk about Mandalorian for a bit because it enables us to to really dial in and, and deep dive into those details. So there's been quite a few Easter eggs and, and whatnot throughout the season as well. So it's been good to to talk about the, the storylines and the characters, but also all the little cool bits that we wouldn't have time to do if we were just mentioning it on Spark of Rebellion. So yes, good shout, dude. We're back to SOR next week. So make sure you are following or subscribing in wherever you get your podcast apps just do a search for spark rebellion or head over to spark forward slash listen and we will see you next week until then until season four on this podcast take care of yourself and may the force be with you always <laughs>